want to welcome you to day two of our look through the book of Judges, week one. We're going to look at chapter one, verses 21 to 26 today. And in these verses, we're going to look at the danger of compromise. Yesterday, the people of Israel had a great start. They started with prayer and obedience, but very quickly, they hit one of the greatest dangers to our faith. They decide to compromise. And this danger isn't just true back in their day, thousands of years ago. This danger is just as true today. Now, there's two major ways that they decide to compromise, and we can learn something from each of them. First way they decide to compromise is they didn't completely drive out the enemy. They didn't completely drive out the enemy. Let me just read you some verses about this. In verse 21, the Benjamites, however, did not drive out the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. To this day, the Jebusites live there with the Benjamites. But it wasn't just the Benjamites, the tribe of Benjamin. If you go down to verse 27, but Manasseh did not drive out the people of Beth Shan or Tanak or Dor or Iblium or Megiddo or their surrounding settlements. For the Canaanites were determined to live in that land. And when Israel became strong, they pressed the Canaanites into forced labor, but they never drove them out completely. Now, it wasn't just these tribes. Down in verse 29, it says, nor did Ephraim drive the people out completely. In verse 30, nor did Zebulun drive the people out completely. 31, nor did Asher drive out the enemy completely. Verse 33, nor did Naphtali drive out the enemy completely. They drove out the enemy in some ways, but not completely. They didn't do what God had told them to do. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 2, way back when Moses was giving the law to the people, he told them what to do when this happened. But when the Lord, Deuteronomy 7, 2, when the Lord your God hands these nations over to you and you conquer them, you must completely destroy them. Make no treaties with them and show them no mercy. They didn't do what God asked them to do. I know there's something in all of our minds that says, how could God ask them to do this? How could God ask them to destroy a nation completely? Well, only, obviously, only God could ask this. Only God could say this because only God could know that that nation and everyone in it was beyond saving. I believe he would not have asked this if he did not know that. We see that from several evidences in the Old Testament. Only he could know the devastation that had only come from these nations because of the hundreds and hundreds of years of patience they had given these nations. Only he could know the babies that had been killed, sacrificed to false gods over those hundreds of years while God had been patient. And only he could know how the terror that those nations were bringing upon themselves was going to be spread to other nations. And because only God could know that, only God could ask this. And so he tells them, you need, because of what's happened in these nations, you need to wipe them out completely. And they did not. They did not. Sometimes they lived alongside of them. Most of the time they made them laborers. It was a halfway measure that continually resulted in the faithlessness of Israel, and it eventually resulted in the destruction of the people of Israel. And so you and I, we look at this story, and the question is, what needs to be driven out that hasn't been driven out completely? In verse 21, when the Benjamites didn't drive out the enemy completely, the verse says, so to this day, they still live together in the city of Jerusalem. What is there in my life, in your life, where you'd say, so to this day, this is still there in my life. It hasn't been, that enemy hasn't been driven out completely. Now, the first kind of enemy we think of, I think when I talk about this, is the enemy of maybe some persistent sin in life that hasn't been driven out completely. And you may struggle with that sin the rest of your life, but my question is, have you settled for that sin? You see, 
once you stop struggling, you've decided to not drive that sin out completely. None of us are gonna be perfect in this life. We're all gonna struggle with sins in this life, but that's not the question. The question is, have you settled for that sin in your life? Well, that's who I am. That's, I'm just not gonna battle that one anymore. If you've stopped battling, you've settled. You've decided it's not gonna be driven out completely. So the first thing you think of is some persistent sin, but there are also other attitudes in our lives. There's attitudes of fearfulness that need to be driven out. There's attitudes of doubt that need to be driven out. And yes, we're never gonna become perfect in this life, but are you still struggling? Are you still praying? Are you still looking for God's victory in your life in that area? What needs to be driven out that hasn't been driven out completely? Instead of settling, keep struggling, keep battling for God's victory in your life. Where is it, these verses also cause us to ask, that you may have taken halfway measures? Like they took halfway measures and said, well, the people can live here and they can be laborers. That's sort of doing what God said to do. Where is it in my life, in your life, where we've said, God, this is sort of what you asked, but deep in your heart, you know, you haven't obeyed completely. You only got halfway to what God asked you to do. Maybe it's in the way that you treat the people around you, in your own family. You're better than you used to be, but you're not where you need to be. Maybe it's in the way that you have integrity in your finances. You do it differently than you used to, but you still know God's speaking to you about making some changes. And you say, well, God, I met you halfway. Well, you don't meet God halfway. You go all the way to him because he's the one who has the gift of grace. He is the one who has the gift of power. Anytime you say in your mind, I've met God halfway, you've missed the point because the point is we want to go all the way to all that he has for our lives. Or have you taken halfway measures? So the first thing that they did to compromise is they drove out the enemy, but not completely. The second thing they did is they tore down what was evil only to rebuild it somewhere else. They tore down something that was evil to rebuild it somewhere else. And this happens in a place called Luz. In verse 22, now the tribes of Joseph attacked Bethel and the Lord was with them. And when they sent men to spy out Bethel, formerly called Luz, the spies saw a man coming out of the city and they said to him, show us how to get into the city and we will see that you are treated well. And so he showed them and they put the city to the sword, but spared the man and his whole family. He then went to the land of the Hittites where he built a city and he called it Luz, which is its name to this day. Now we just read earlier that God had told them to make no treaty with these people but they made a treaty with this man. Luz was a city that was destroyed, an evil city, but it was was rebuilt somewhere else. When they said, we will see that you are treated well if you let us into the city, they did not have to say you could rebuild the city somewhere else. In fact, that word treated well is the idea of hesed or covenant. They pledged loyalty to this man. They made a contract with this man, which God, we just read in Deuteronomy, had expressly told them not to do. And so evil was torn down only to be rebuilt somewhere else. How often does that happen? Where you tear down an evil in your life or you help someone else to tear down an evil in their life and then you see it rebuilt again immediately in some other place. There's an important point here because it would have been okay for them to talk to this man and allow this man to give them help. And like happened at Jericho, show kindness. As happened with Rahab as she told the spies how to be protected. But the principle behind this is when you act kindly towards sinners, you end up inviting their commitment. But when you act kindly towards sin, you end up compromising your commitment. 
And in the way they treated this man, they weren't just acting kindly toward a sinner. They actually acted kindly toward sin. They allowed him to be in a place where he rebuilt exactly what was there before. When you act kindly towards sinners, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, everybody you meet is a sinner, you better act kindly towards sinners or you won't act kindly towards anyone. You end up actually inviting people's commitment. God acts kindly to us even while we were yet sinners. He showed us the grace of the cross. But when you act kindly towards sin, that's something very different. Of course you can act kindly towards sinners and not sin. That's exactly what God does. When you act kindly towards sin, it will compromise your commitment every time. So as we come to the end of this look at compromise, the questions are, what has been rebuilt in your life that never needed to be rebuilt? Or what might right now maybe are you rebuilding that doesn't need to be rebuilt? Maybe it's a relationship that's taking you to the places you know you shouldn't be going. Maybe it's a habit of going to a certain place that always gets you in trouble. Maybe it's a contract, a business contract with someone who actually is going to, you know, going to stain your integrity one more time. What are you rebuilding that doesn't need to be rebuilt? You say to yourself, well, it'll be okay this time, but all of a sudden you've rebuilt loves. You have the same thing in your life that was there before. These are great verses about the danger of compromise. What I love is the power of God's Spirit to cause us to live in a different way. So let's ask for that power right now. Father, this is a world where it's easy to compromise. There's so much struggle around us. There's so much sin around us. And we can so easily get confused by the bad advice that we get or the temptations that we have. Lord, we don't want to compromise. We want to be men and women of faith. And so we pray together right now that you'd help us to choose faith instead of compromise and help us to see these places in our lives where we might be allowing the enemy to stay in our lives when we should have never allowed that to happen or allowing some evil to be rebuilt in our lives that took years to tear down. Help us to see that right now and to trust you again in a fresh new way. We trust you. In Jesus' name, we trust you. Amen. Tomorrow, together, we're going to see how God responds to their compromise.